BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I want winners. I want people that want to win. All right, if I don't sound the same as usual, though I think I got my voice back, uh, it is because the Niners sent us through a roller coaster ride of a football game tonight, and they beat the Detroit Lions 34-31 to head to Las Vegas and the Super Bowl. And Rod is here. I think Rod and I kind of feel the same way about this game. But uh, before we even get there, there was a dilemma for 49er fans today, which was we didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to put ourselves in the Super Bowl quite yet, but there was a Kansas City and Baltimore Ravens game going on. Two teams that we have history with in the big game. Who were you actually rooting for in this game, knowing that if the Niners also won, this would be their foe in the Super Bowl? Here's the thing. I'm sorry, 49er fans, but I have to admit it. I'm a bit of, I'm a bit of a Lamar stan. And I knew after the regular season he had, you know, the pressure was on him to perform in this game. Because, you know, Mahomes is a made guy. It, yeah. You know, six in a, six AFC championships in six seasons, two MVPs, three first team all pros. I mean, He's got a Hall of Fame resume after six seasons. He's Sandy Koufax. If he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's, today, he's Brady, right? Like he's essentially what Tom Brady was when Tom Brady was uh, winning Super Bowls. Like he's just is he's just gonna be in the Super Bowl in the AFC. That's it. And and he is, you know, nobody's wishing anything ill on him, but he's Sandy Koufax. If he retired tomorrow. He's a Hall of Famer in five yeah. years. He, yeah. he is, there's no question about it. And in, in a world, um, I was listening to Peter Schrager on Simmons today, and in a world where something like, like that kind of statement creates some kind of, um, you know, it's, it's inflammatory. He said he posted that 
this week on X, and everybody was like, "Duh!" I mean, so there's no, there's not even any argument that <laughs> he is the best. That that it's him and everybody else in the NFL today. Even people on Twitter who argue about everything can't argue about that. I mean, it's he's just undeniable. So I want, I wanted to see Lamar do well, but Spags did an outstanding job. Their defensive coordinator. We saw last week that D'Amico had a great game plan in the yep. first half. Yep. And um, they went in, they figured it out, and they started running those blitz beaters, and they took over. It was like they could never figure out what the hell Kansas City was doing. And whatever they thought they were doing was, was clearly wrong because they kept running those deep-ass patterns out there, and they just kept you know, batting them down, picking them off, having three guys around the guys, and then, you know, the ass head shit weird his head again with Zay Flowers and his stupid yeah. ass <laughs> 15 yard penalty and then fumbling out the ball. But that's that has been there. That has been it was just so frustrating. Um and I I just that Kansas City defense is good. They are just legit good. And then Mahomes is Jordan. And I and and I thought Travis Kelsey was cooked. Yep. What the hell happened there? I thought Taylor. Was, it's I Taylor. thought he was but no, I thought he was distracted and I thought he was cooked. <laughs> I thought she was the reason he was playing bad, but I, I had, looked, had two. He looked I had like a two. Hall of Famer. He looked like a Hall of Famer. Last I had night. two in the household. I had my stepdaughter doesn't know anything about football. Except Taylor. So she just want whatever was happening with Taylor, she wanted to keep happening with Taylor. And then my stepson, because Taylor is on the other side, he was rooting for Baltimore because he just sick of hearing about Taylor. So there was there was a polar polarization of that game. So the reason why I asked that is because I, I had people reaching out to me who is who is going to, you know, who do the Niners want to play? Who do they not want to play? And I I said Let's just take this one game at a time because Detroit is staring at us right now. And I don't even want to think about that because you get ahead out of your you get ahead of yourself and Detroit comes in and puts 20 on you in the first half, then you're just thinking, like, why was I even thinking like that? And that's kind of what happened. It is exactly what happened. How in the hell is like it was my worst fears real highs. It's like Oh shit, we can't set the edge against these dudes. Yeah. And we can't get off blocks. So okay, yeah. here we go. This is where I started because you know how the 49, you know how 49er Facebook is. The minute they go down and score, we start with the Steve Wilkes sucks. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we need to do this and we need to blitz. Why don't we blitz more? Bro, what are you talking about? We have invested all these picks and all this salary cap space on this defensive front. And we can't rush the passer. We can't set the edge and we can't get off blocks. What are you talking about? Steve Wilkes? He didn't do any of that. That's that is our guys. And then what just sent me through the roof is Nick Bosa is the edge is being set on Nick Bosa by wide receivers. What in the <laughs> entire, excuse my language, fuck. He is supposed to send Josh 
Reynolds back in a box if you try <laughs> to set the edge on him. It's just, you know, our wide receivers block and they block they block defensive backs and they block linebackers. But when you're talking about guys like JT Watt, you're talking about Miles Garrett, you talk about Max Crosby, you talk about Nick Bosa. You're supposed that guy is supposed to be a that wide receiver is supposed to be a sacrifice of land if you try to block the edge on those guys with that dude. But not only did Josh Reynolds do it, they fucking scored on the play on top of it. Yeah. Get out of here. What are we doing? Okay. Say, let, let me give you my my side. And and don't worry, <laughs> folks. We are going to get to the good parts of this game. But what the way that Rod and I feel it should sort of tell you uh, kind of what our fandom is like in that we kind of explained this last week. Our expectation is Super Bowl winning Super Bowls, not just getting there, not just being happy to be in the NFC Championship game because we've been through so many NFC Championship games. They ran uh, a graphic that said the 49ers record in the wildcard game, in the divisional game, and in the Super Bowl. They have an over 500 record in all of those series except the NFC title game where they are not great in the NFC title game. We've lost 11 of them. It That's means crazy. that they get there, but it also shows you how hard, even as good as they are with winning Super Bowls, how hard it is to actually get there. And so I was, uh, I was watching this game and Shelvin in, in our discord, Shelvin sees like my real frustration at stuff because of that expectation. I had tweeted after they went out 14-0. All I, I typed one word in a tweet, and I said, exposed. And, you know, people were taking whatever they wanted that I meant out of that, like I was giving up. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't giving up on the game. I, what, what my fear was going into this game, and Nick Bosa kind of explained it in a comment earlier in saying, he basically said, we are, we are the, the tougher team and that's our style of football, but we expect them to X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And my thought was, I don't actually think we're the tougher team. I think it's actually the opposite in that if we play well in the beginning and we get out ahead, we're a pile-on team. We're kind of a front-running mm -hmm. team in that way. Mm -hmm. But when it's the opposite, when they get punched in the mouth, they haven't done anything. And so we had that game last week against the Packers and they did actually make the comeback. Right. The frustrating thing about last week is the Packers didn't even practice. They went game, game, walk through. They're so beat up. And then they come in to, to, to uh, Levi's and they start putting it on us. And so that's a bit frustrating. But what I was basically saying was in that one word tweet exposed, all of my fears were coming out in the first half of this game. Because if you watched, if you hadn't seen a football game and you watched the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, your thought would have been, oh, the Lions are the bigger and stronger and faster team. And they're just pushing the 49ers around. That must be what the story of this game is. The 49ers were not the tougher team in this game. They took advantage when they needed to take advantage in the second half. They made big plays. Brock uh, was finally using his feet, something that we've been My God. begging him to do all season long. Now, in a lot of these games, he hasn't had to do it because they've been dominating. But in these games where they haven't played well, 
he's still trying to hang in that pocket. And he's so small that these defensive linemen just raise their arms up and they're tipping the ball. They're changing his tunnel and where he can throw it. And I'm just like, dude, you have some slick feet back there. Step aside, step up. And finally, he he was doing that. I think it was out of a, a out of must, like he had to, or else, you know, that pocket was going to collapse on him. And you know, that's a different problem altogether with the offensive line. But so, my tweet was more so about I actually didn't think that they were the tougher team, and I'm not sure we are going to be the tougher team heading into Kansas City. We know Andy Reid is going to have them prepared first and foremost. They are going into that game in Las Vegas as if they are the same old chiefs that are Super Bowl champion style teams. Right. And so I, my worry is that if they start out flat, like they have in these two games, the chiefs are not going to look back. The Packers and the lions look back. They're young teams. They're not, they don't have the veteran savvy. They have not been in the playoffs. And we took advantage of that. The Chiefs are not going to look back. So that is my fear. That was my fear. I'm very thankful we won this game. But people were asking me, are you happy? Are you happy? I was like, no, I'm content. But I'm guarded. I'll be happy if they win the Super Bowl. And that's just kind of the way it is with these teams that are so good. Um, you know, we, we have built, the 49ers have built this team as a, a uh, couple of windows. We got a couple of windows to win this Super Bowl. And so in the Discord, we were talking about it. And uh, I was saying, you know, I, I've been reading this uh, Steve Young and Joe Montana book. And I forgot how many times Bill Walsh pulled out Joe Montana for Steve Young in the regular season. And so in my mind, I'm going like, okay, well, Brock is throwing flutter balls. He's throwing interceptions. Even on some passes that are actually being completed, they're literally up for grabs. If he throws another pick, we may have to make a change because the only way to stay with these guys when the defense is playing so poorly is you got to score points, and we're not scoring points. All right, man. I don't want to be negative, super negative. So we're going to be – what that point you just made, we need to put a pin in that. At some point, we have to have a conversation – about our quarterback room next year because you are 100% right. It was as as crazy as it sounds with some of the games that Brock had. If we don't score when we do, that had to be a conversation. It had to be because we were at a point where it was like a good throw and a bad throw and a yeah. good throw and a bad throw. When it was he like was he able really, to, if he could hang in the pocket, he had a clean pocket. He was good. If he was rushed in any way, he was throwing it too early. He was throwing it off of one foot. He was throwing it and ducking, and it was not good. And, you know, and again, that which leads to my second frustration is this pass defense of the Lions has been giving up a million yards to everybody. Jordan Love lit him up for almost 400 yards. Dak lit him up for almost 400 yards. Baker Mayfield lit them up for like 390 last yeah. week. We it took literally a Brock bouncing it off Ayuk's face mask <laughs> for yeah the defensive back. <laughs> it 
it was it was it, I was just again so frustrated that these dudes are out here to be had. Now yeah. again, again, there there were pressure things, and I get that. But and again, we talked about Brock and him using his legs, and I understand understood the prudence of not unleashing that part of the game in the regular season because you just can't afford. He's so valuable yeah. to us. We can't afford. But I was on some, you know, Apollo Creed shit today. <laughs> there is no tomorrow. Exactly. There that was my no point. Tomorrow. This is my point. My point was, <laughs> I don't care about Brock Purdy's feelings. I want to win the game. Like, I'm right. not a Brock Purdy fan as much as I am a 49ers fan. And they have such a small window here that they don't have the opportunity to say, well, you know what? Good season. We'll run it back next year because we don't know what next year looks like, right? We don't. This is this. These are the good old days. We need to if if we don't get six with this collection of talent. I don't. And again, if we do, I think it sets up us basically kind of running it back with some tweaks next year and try to get another one. But if this team fails. That is a colossal failure. I mean, it and, it, and, and for the people who didn't listen to last week, Rod and I are prefacing this by saying Brock Purdy's a second year QB, right? He is not six and seven years into his career. So we give him that caveat of he is learning how to play in the postseason live in front of us. He's never done this before. And He's going to make mistakes. You have to give him that opportunity being such a young quarterback. Hell, we gave those mistakes to Jimmy and he, how many games did he play? Right. You just right. knew we were calling it like, let's get the pick out of the way so that he, cause we know it's coming. Let's get it out of the way. Now, Brock, there, there are moments when he's back there and I'm scared that the pick is coming and you know, we only got one. So I'm very thankful for that. But even on some of these throws that he was threading, I was like, Oh my gosh, there were at least two others that were picks. But again, he is a victim of his own success. Yes. Because I know and believe while it seems like I'm being hard on him, I it's because I believe that if he just plays his median Brock Purdy game, he is more than good enough yeah. to win a Super Bowl. Even with the fact that he's young, I believe that we we can win a championship with him right now. I mean, it's not like he has to season. He just needs to play his best ball. And, and the and fact if you of look the matter at it, is, the last at, two weeks he hasn't. And look at the, the halves, the tale of two halves. In the first half, he had a 39 quarterback rating. By the end of the game, he had an 89 quarterback rating. So he was poor in the first half and great in the second half. How about we just be even? How about right. we just be average or above average in both halves and we don't have to worry about don't, it? Don't, <laughs> don't give me these heart attacks, these mini heart attacks. Just, just if you just, you know, you don't have to be special we don't need which it again is always the, the conversation around him everybody wants to throw him in with Allen and Mahomes and Jackson bro he's not that dude but the thing of it is he doesn't have to be we don't need him to be that he's not being asked to be that he is just asked 
to be the point guard. Get it where it needs to go. Um, get it out your hand. Um, make the right decision. If you need to throw it away, throw it away. There were several runs where he forced the ball, where with or he took sacks, where the play was to throw the ball away. And yeah. again, that's one of those things. It's it's the the double edged sword. Some of what makes him who he is is the fact that sometimes he can extend a play and he hangs on to the ball a little longer and he finds that guy down there um, and he makes a play. But then there are other times there's, there's always the flip side of that coin. And I think what I happen to believe is that with him, that's what that kind of discernment is what's going to come with time it, because it did with Mahomes. There. Mahomes, uh, Bill Simmons was talking about this um, this week, is, you know, despite his kind of gunslinger mentality when he came into the league, um, Mahomes never makes bad decisions anymore. He never puts the ball in harm's way. He always makes the right play. He didn't, He's turned into an executive. He is a CEO now. He understands that with these dudes, this collection of dudes he's got here, trying to count on them, counting on MVS, even if I know, if he knows he can make the play, I don't know if that guy can make the play. <laughs> so um, let's just go ahead and check it down or throw it away and live to play another day. And Brock, Brock just needs to get that discernment quicker. And with <laughs> success... With success, that will come, right? Because yeah, it is. Mahomes, he had early success, but he also had the opportunity to sit behind and, and watch for uh, a season uh, before becoming who he became. Now, Purdy sort of did too, but Purdy wasn't a number one draft pick. so they, And nobody he, had any expectations. No, and so he was sitting behind Trey Lance until Trey Lance got hurt. And then he's still sitting behind Jimmy until Jimmy got hurt. So he's kind of thrust into this situation. And also, there's no tape on this kid. No one knows who this guy is. Everyone knew who Pat Mahomes was when he got drafted. So a little bit of a different thing. I want to say for those of us or for those who are watching us on YouTube, if you can hit that like button, that little thumbs up button, that will help us in our algorithm. And also, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe to the BSPN channel. Now, uh, Rod and I, I think last week, and I actually clipped this for a YouTube video uh, outside of the the actual live uh feed that we did i called it 49ers old heads because our theory was we love we we are we root for brock brock is not above criticism just like any other player uh, on this team but just stop comparing them to joe yeah that and that's and, and you know joe was there so the, joe, joe was there handing the trophy to, to jed they didn't that's even have joe is. say anything I, I was kind of wondering why, why don't you have joe up there it's, Give give him the mic for ten seconds, Michael Strahan, and um, and so like in my mind, like we got we got Joe, we got Steve, and we know when those dudes were in the Super Bowl, they were going to deliver, and that's where you want Brock to be too. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, he was so close. Uh, Jimmy G, it was not as close, but we still had the lead pretty late in that game. The score was a little bit uh, more than, than what the game really was. And now Brock can be on this list with Joe and Steve for guys who can uh, 
you know, who can actually have Super Bowl wins underneath their belt. So that's where you kind of strive. But we don't put that on him yet. We don't no. give him that yet. Because and that's the thing. Happened. That's the thing. I don't, I'm not that old head that, you know, says that he can never be considered in that echelon. I'm not we, saying we that at want all. him to be a legend. What I'm he is saying just not is a legend yet. He, he doesn't have any pelts on the wall yet. So, I mean, it's just, and it's, it, I, I think it's crazy unfair to him to heap that level of expectation on him. Let's just let it play out. And if it turns out that he's a two-time All-Pro, first-team All-Pro, and a two-time MVP, and a Super Bowl MVP, and a couple of championships down the road, then, okay, I'm fine with with having that conversation. But we don't don't even – he didn't have any of that. And you are just anointing him – as you know, in that conversation, it's nuts. It's well, nuts. I think I think Stop. what it is also is there is so much hope in this fan base. Like you remember in uh, 2012, uh, was that when the uh, what what was the little slogan uh, when they were trying to get the six? It, it was like uh, Journey for Six or something. Like, I forget. There, there's a better slogan than that. No, was, and I was just like, mm-hmm. I was just like, God, you know, that sounds so corny. Like we don't have to beg and hope and plead for Quest for Six. There, Davis, six. Uh, mm-hmm. Davis. By the way, shout out to Davis, Shelvin, PA Niner fan, eighty-seven. Our guy Rick, you guys are awesome, and I'm glad that we are on early enough for y'all to to be live with us. Um, but like. W- and then in you know 20 in 2019 it was like quest for six and i'm like can we just stop the quest for six stuff like we you know we want it to happen but let it happen we don't we, we we've been there before we don't have to like beg for it right and I, but i think that's what it's become now because like what we mentioned is you know Fortnite's last one the super bowl i was a senior in high school and that was a long time ago <laughs> so now we are so far from those golden years that there are people like I'm sure Davis is, it probably doesn't remember the 94 Super Bowl. He's I, I, I'm going to I'm going to guess he was alive for it, but he's he's he probably doesn't remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, And so there are people who are just like, we need it. We want it. You know, it's our turn, blah, 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 blah. So in that instance, just the hoping that Brock is the answer in a historically uh, quarterback driven franchise i can see why there is like our prayers are answered we got the guy this is a great story he's mr irrelevant he reminds of us of joe but it's just like let that stuff happen because we're expecting too much out of him and and like you said i imagine brock you know not saying that brock reads the comments but he knows what the stories are about him Mm -hmm. we talked about it last week and usually the the underdog QB is the beloved. Like the, everyone wants us to, and he's got a lot of haters out there. And so I'm sure he sees that. I'm sure he thinks, hey, you know, I can make this play to shut up these guys. I can make this play and it'll shut up these guys. And so there's temptation for that. He's a competitor, just like anybody else. He wants to win more than even we want him to win. Shelvin is is uh, giving us the business here in the chat. He says he was in eighth grade 
1994, Shelvin <laughs> making us <laughs> the third man in the booth here, Shelvin. Uh, so, but yeah, it's it's really it's it is it you know I you know I'm like tired of like people calling it hate. I what I think it is it's simply a black backlash when you if I know for me. And for our fan base in particular, my frustration, of course, as I've long said, is the comparisons to Montana are dumb. That bothers me. But then the other thing that bothers me is how we want to put him in the conversation of elite quarterbacks when he plays well. Perfect passer rating, blah, blah, blah. Great, best, top five quarterback. But then when he stinks up the joint, it's like everybody has amnesia and nobody wants to hold Brock accountable. It's Kyle's fault. It's the offensive line's fault. (laughs) It's his horoscope. It's the refs. Isn't that that the whole journey of a QB, though? But it's never his fault. If, if, If you just simply hold him accountable when he's bad, praise him when he's good, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with. Yeah, it. yeah. But it's the fact that it you it's never, never, ever his fault when it goes good. And but then when it when it goes well, it's it. And I if I if it goes well, and I say that well, he's got four All Pro, specialists that I I'm hating because <laughs> I point out the fact that we we can't not make that be part of the conversation. It would be different if we had Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony and, you know, MVS that he was throwing to, we wouldn't be in the Super Bowl. I'm I'm just going to say that flat out. It would not be that way. He's just not that kind of player. So, let's just be real about it. But like we're, I said, we're going to we're going to just... move on. We're, yeah. we're going to move on. Let's get to positive stuff. Okay, well, now we're going to go to positive. But what I will say is, you know what I'm happy about? Yes. Is my son, who is 24. Um, it's the Super Bowl. Uh, no, he's my son is 20. He's going to be 23. Mm-hmm. So Brock can be his guy. Brock yeah. is one year older than my youngest son. And so he is pro Brock because that's his guy. He didn't have. Mm-hmm. Joe Those Montana. aren't his guys. Those he didn't have Montana guys. like we did. He didn't have Young like we did. So he sees Brock as his guy, and he so desperately wants Brock to succeed. So I get that part. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And 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 so you know, we I want, do too. We want we want Brock to succeed too. Yeah, that, that's that's too. the point. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Uh, okay, uh, so the game, which started ever so poorly, oh. it... Turned at halftime, and in, in in the chat, in the Discord chat, I said, "I would, I you know, I, I'm never gonna turn the TV off. I'm not that kind of fan. I'm gonna stick with it through thick and thin. I will be frustrated, but I'm not, you know, I, I'm gonna be with this till till the end of the whistle." And I said, "But I really would like to see what Kyle and company do at halftime to kind of change the the tone of the game." And you know what? You know we can blame a little bit of this 
on poor young Jake Moody, right? <sighs> Jake Moody, the, t- the like the heartbeat of the game has just begun. And then he wide writes a, a field goal. It's like, uh, it just puts you in this mood, right? And it almost like that kind of set the tone. But at halftime, they did eventually change some stuff. Uh, you saw the pass rush get a lot better. You saw mm-hmm. Eric Armstead move to the outside a little bit on certain mm-hmm. plays. But I mean, the, the defensive tackles getting blown up in this game. Um, Har- Hargrave, like I know he's, I know we got him because he can rush the passer. But does that also mean he cannot stop the run? Like, do you have to have one or the other? Like, he has tough. been one of the biggest disappointments of this season. He's like been a no show basically. And then for a long time, I was like. Maybe he's hurt, but then both with both him and Chase Young, it's like okay, maybe Chase Young, maybe the injuries have taken their toll, and um, he's just not the same player. But then he'll make three or four plays in a row. There was a sequence where he had like three plays in a row that basically ended the drive, and it's like okay, so he can do it. So then, why the hell? Does it only happen on like a third of the plays? And the same thing with Hargrave. He made some plays tonight, but overall, he just has been underwhelming. And then it's it's you know, you can just continue to double and triple team um Nick over there because you don't have to regard you don't have to have any regard for this dude. And he is supposed to be a game wrecker type player but like you said you know Wilk started calling more twists he started calling more stunts they started to get more pressure they started getting off blocks and they started stopping them shout out to Javarius Ward um Amon St. Brown was a was a no-show in the second half second half yeah and it that was a had a lot to do with number seven um you know, I think, you know, you know, what also had to do with there's a play mm-hmm. where he gets crunched between Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it looked like he was going to make the catch. And those two guys hit him at exactly the same time. So he kind of got sandwiched. And I think that affected him. I didn't see any injury reports or anything, mm-hmm. but you're talking about getting hit by two big linebackers, two big, strong, fast linebackers. And I think that I think that was was it part must of the have thing with me. because he was cooking us in the first half. It was just it was it it was really disgusting to watch. But we the the defense really stepped up in the second half. And I again I'm not one who like am gonna say that it had a whole lot hell of a lot to do with the play calling because I just don't be, believe that Steve Wilkes is a positive or a negative in that matter. I think he's just neutral. It to me from what I'm watching, it has all everything to do with the way that we execute. If if Nick Bosa who to be quite honest with you hasn't done it very much this year, but if he plays like a defensive player of the year, the defense looks because that's what this whole thing is set up for. We just put spent all these draft picks, all this money on the defensive front they are supposed to make an impact. And if they're just meh, it's it puts pressure on everybody. It's because this whole thing is not set up for yeah. those guys to be meh. Yeah. They're supposed to be they're supposed dominant. To be dominant. And they're they just haven't been. And they they were closer to it than they've been in a long time in the second half. 
and it showed. Okay, so I'll just go through the scoring of the first half, and we'll talk mostly about the second half here. So Detroit just goes like three, you know, very few plays here, and and scores immediately on a um, what was it? Was it uh, a reverse? A reverse for like fifty yards, forty-two yards, <laughs> and uh, I, I so I'm watching this play, and I'm going like. Okay, who is the one who like overcommitted and should have been able to make the play? Defense so I'm looking. Line can't get off blocks, and Dre Greenlaw misses a tackle. I so know. I'm looking in the secondary because I'm looking for Jay Year Brown because I'm like, okay, it's it's got to be something with him because he's the rook and he, you know, you always kind of look and see how he's doing. Ambry Thomas overruns the play, and what and he runs overruns it so far that he's actually in Brown's way. So he gets in the way of Brown, who is trying to come and make the play. He has to push Ambry Thomas into the right direction. But in doing that, then he's behind the play as well. So, so Ambry- not only didn't he do his job, he stopped somebody else from doing their job. That That is awful. And it is uh, so, you know, I thought Ambry Thomas actually had a, had a pretty bad game today. And And if you're looking for like. You know, if Pat Mahomes is looking for people to pick on, he's probably looking directly in, in his direction. Okay, so they go touchdown. Then we miss the field goal, which I said kind of set the bad tone. They go touchdown again, and it is David Montgomery, and he is just slicing and dicing us. So it was like the easiest 14 points that it seems that have been scored on the Niners the entire time. We finally get one. Uh, we, we get one uh, with uh, McCaffrey. And then, so you're thinking, okay, we're back in this. We just need to stop. Nope, not even close to a stop because they just go right down the field again in less than three minutes, 21-7. We punt, they kick a field goal, end of the half. And so, At that point, I'm like, they're going to have they're gonna have 600 total yards on us at this point. There was nothing in that first half that led us to believe that the Niners could stop them at any point because – they didn't. They the the Lions punted one time in the first half. It was touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, field goal. Those were the five possessions. So there was nothing that led me to believe that this was even a, a thing. But second half starts. Niners get the ball first. You know they go field goal, and you know I was in one of my moments. I was like, if Jake Moody misses this man. He, he's dead to me. Take like, his jersey. Like, I, can't, jersey. I can't even do it. And, and, you know, the other thing is uh, Eminem w- was out there. Did you see pictures of Eminem? Mm-hmm. You know, like one of the greatest MCs of all time. I'm I'm comfortable saying that. Who are you flipping off, dude? You're like a 45-year-old dude in a, in a, in a Lions jersey in in um, our in in Levi's like who are you flipping off really like it's like come on do you, do you uh, you know how how badly do you want the cameras to take your picture at this point mm-hmm. anyways 24 to 10 they kicked the field goal and so I, even at this point i'm like eh you know it it, I, it it you you score there with a touchdown and i'm thinking yeah let's go like Can that, we please that. get a stop is where right. I'm because that's that's why, right? <laughs> it's because we can't stop them. They go 47 yards and they go for it on fourth down and don't get it. Now that is this is what where Dan Campbell comes into this game because you want them to feel like the 49ers cannot stop them, but at the same time, how many 
NFC Championship games has Dan Campbell had to call? None. This is his first time. So he has got to kind of fight this angel and devil on his shoulder. Do I go how we, we've been going all year long? Or do I get conservative? And if I get conservative, am I going to feel like, you am know, I, I left something the on the message table? To the yeah, team. everything, see, right? The, the so thing of coaching. it is, and that was that, and, and to me, I thought we dodged a bullet there because we were, a, we stopped them. So we came away with good feelings, but on that drive, for the first time in the game, even though they had been doing all kinds of really good things, that was the first time that they got, they like got two really, they, they converted two really long third downs and it was kind of demoralizing. And I believe if they get points there, it's like shit, we are, you know, it, it just, it's more of the same, but I think, you know, that was the way I felt watching in the moment was like that kind of was a that, you know, while he was it was on brand. It was a mistake because it gave us the def- it gave the defense some life. I mean, because we had finally done something, it, you know, we we hadn't done anything to that point. So I just felt like it that gave us a little something to feel good about as a defense, which as it turns out was something they were able to build on. I think he could have stuck the knife in and twisted it a little more with just taking the points. But, you know, I, 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 you know, as we talked about before, um, that's, I have two, I'm of two minds on that. I kind of respect the fact that he stuck with his guns, but I, I, I don't think that he really grasped, um, the moment and what what allowing us a stop did for us for our psyche you know so you know it is what it is but i'm glad he went for it as a four yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know it's one of those games where the reason that they were kicking our butts is because of dan campbell and the reason why we were able to get back into it is because of dan campbell yeah um, so then, so, so they're still down 17, but they get that big stop. Momentum is, is on their side a little bit, but momentum is not really what this was about. Cause you need good luck. Uh, Curtis, this was the Curtis blow game to me. These are the breaks, right? Mm-hmm. Like for, for, uh, for Detroit, they didn't get any in the second half. It was all 49ers mm-hmm. when it came to the breaks and this one, you know, Brock going deep, uh, Detroit's uh, defensive back, the ball hits him in the face, it pops up, BY has eyes on it still, makes a great catch, diving catch, down at the four-yard line, then they score on a touchdown to BA, and uh, now we're only down seven. But going back to that play, eight times out of ten, that ball hits that dude's face mask, and it falls, or... He Even catches worse, it. Right. He intercepts it. And we get nothing. But in those moments, you know, the ball bounced the 49ers way. And you have to, you have to, most of these teams that win Super Bowls, the luck and the breaks are on their side uh, in, in big moments like this. Uh, and, and you can't like, you can't just go, you know, like, like in the record books, it's like, oh, 51 yard long pass to Brendan Ayuk. 
But watching the game, you're like, doesn't tell the story. Damn, like that was a lot of luck, and that was great precision on BA for keeping his eye on that ball and staying with it because that 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 you know we we needed that play. We that was the real momentum changer of the whole game. So they get that touchdown, and then I, this is the one that if if you're a Lions fan, this is the one you're 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 kicking yourself for. Gibbs up the middle. He kind of handed the ball like directly to Gibson. Like I, I don't know exactly what was going on there. Uh, uh, it was almost like Gibson was part of the reverse, and he's like handing it to him, and Gibson just snatches well, it out of his hands. What it looked like to me, with based on the way his hands were, he went to the wrong side. Gibbs yeah. went. He was not where he was supposed to be. Um, so it was, it was just, it was weird. It's just the whole thing. The whole vibe was of the play from the beginning just looked odd. I, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I, where I was at watching, I couldn't, I, I couldn't hear it, but um, so I don't know if anybody ever confirmed that. But it just looked to me like, you know, he went to the wrong hole or was on the wrong side of, of um, golf. So in that, you know, like you say that if you had to point to one from the Lions fan, if they could have that one back, um, because it really, it, it changed the entire complexion of the game. They did not play a perfect game. And in their mind, they probably thought it was going to take a near perfect game to win. And that's a mistake that you don't make that mistake you you rarely make that mistake and they did and, and the Niners capitalized on it again good teams sometimes there's luck involved so Niners are able to get they already have the ball deep in in uh, Detroit's territory Brock is, is using his legs they get a CMC uh, touchdown and so now we're tied and uh, it's still not even the fourth quarter yet which mm-hmm. is the most ridiculous thing is that all of this stuff happens so quickly. So Detroit forced them on a three and out, and they the, the Niners are also lucky because it looked like they were going to be able to down it at the one, and they just could not get that foot in. So Niners get it at the 20. They go all the way down uh, 65 yards. Jake Moody splits the uprights. Thank you very much, Jake Moody, uh, for, for kicking two field goals today. Uh, even though uh, that first one kind of left us all disgusted, um, and then so you have a, a tie. You have a you have a, a tie game. Oh no, the Niners are up three, starting mm-hmm. the fourth quarter. So the the Lions get the ball back, and at this point in the game, my thought was, and it's in it's in the Discord. Okay, that that field goal is going to bite us in the butt because the yep. Lions absolutely are going to come right down and just, just get in the end zone. And they got close, but again, fourth and three, Jared Goff gets rolled out, uh, not not what he wanted to do in that play, and throws it kind of deeper than than he needed to. He he and the wide receiver were not on the same page. Turn turnover on downs, and the Niners go and they score uh, in, in less than five minutes. Elijah shout Mitchell, shout out to the pressure that the Niners put on him to to force him out yes. of the pocket. And so Elijah Mitchell, of all people, scores the touchdown. Uh, I don't remember why CMC had to come out, but he came out of the game 
and uh, and Elijah Mitchell. Uh, it might have been because I, oh, I remember what it was. So CMC goes all the way down the right sideline, and he gets tackled, and he basically gets tackled like, on top his of head. his head. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Mitchell comes in, and can you believe like and think poaches? About, he kids comes in and poaches. Okay, but even man. think about this even even more. You're ice cold. You have not played one snap, and all of a sudden the the play call is. You're getting the ball. We need a touchdown. So you need to get in the end zone. Like your job is just to switch gears. Like your heartbeat's got to go from like resting heart rate to boom. I'm in the NFC championship game at the goal line. And I need to punch this in. It's football's crazy, man. Yeah. Like Mitchell and, and Mitchell's kind of someone we, we were picking on all year long. Mm-hmm. It's dude's not healthy, but in the moment he's there and he, and he succeeds and he's ready and uh, that, I thought talk that was, about that was great. You talk about a hero or goat moment. I mean, I, I but I guess it doesn't. I mean, it's not like we lose the game if he doesn't score. But I mean, it definitely we really had him on the run, and um, you know, the fact that we were able to go ahead and punch it in right there rather than having to worry about bringing CMC back in and running another play. So like, it, it was a good you know way for him to step up and just you know handle business and keep the pressure on them um so yeah it was shout out to elijah mitchell so at that point niners go up 10 and that is pretty much the ball game right uh and and so you know at that point we were finally comfortable because there's only uh you know there's only like three minutes left and detroit does score the niners are in that that you know, just and the it, took them playing hell, the it took them hella long to score. You know, they they didn't they you know, he went down with all those timeouts. You know, they didn't they didn't call the timeouts. And so it ends up like they score. But it's like only a, a minute left at that point where they could have had at least, you know, I, I, it, OK, it ends up not mattering. But, um, yeah, that was that last that last drive of theirs kind of was weird sequencing. There was at a one point, you know, um, the people I was standing next to was like, why don't they just take the field goal? I mean, cause either way they're going to need to get the ball back. So why not, you know, prioritize the time as opposed to the points. Um, so yeah, it, it was just weird, but you know, good for us, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know <laughs> as it, as it turns out. Yes. So <sighs> exhausting game. I imagine they did a bonkers rating because of how close it was. And, you know, you can kind of tell this, I think this is a tell in what they think about viewership is when they constantly are recapping what happened, that tells me that they know that they have some data that new viewers have joined. Mm-hmm. The- and so they did that a couple times because my wife was like, we've been watching the game the whole time. We know what happened. Why are they keep recapping? I was like, they probably just heard that a bunch of people just turned their channel, their TV over to the game. So I think uh, I think my main takeaway of this game is for two weeks in a row, the Niners have played like C C plus football. Now, I think in the second half, they played A plus football. And in the first half, you could say they played F football. So that kind of averages out to like a C. I don't know the reason. I would like to hear someone, maybe someone asked Kyle in the in the press conference after the game, like two weeks in a row, the team has come out really, really flat. And what is the reason for that? 
I know Trent Williams had everybody fired up today. So it can't be that people were taking Detroit too easily. That can't be the the answer. And they didn't really seem tight. I mean, no. you know, I don't, it's, it's interesting. You know, what was, oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but one of my big takeaway was it, what last week we didn't really talk about it. I don't know why, but it was really interesting to hear Kyle, you know, by na- himself mention without prompting the, the fourth quarter comeback stat, you know, you know, like he basically, you know, we, we had never, you know, we had never done this. What we did versus the Packers is something we had never done yeah. since I've been here. And now they've done it two weeks in a row, yeah. but you know, it would be interesting to hear him talk about, you know, what his feeling is for why we put ourselves in that hole in the first place and but it it, it does say speak well of this team that two not two times in a row they've been able to crawl out of it in a way that um we haven't been able to in the past so i would also like i would also like where's gary Plummer to take the monkey (laughs) off of kyle's back (laughs) (laughs) i would also love to hear somebody ask him what happened to the defensive line? What, what, like, what are the mechanical issues with that? Like, what are they not doing? Is it just they're getting blown off the ball? Is it the t- the, the the offenses are sort of figuring out things that go against their their pressure, and so they're 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 you know they're in the wrong spot. Whatever it is, I I mean I you know I don't know if he would even say it because mm-hmm. you're giving away some strategy. All right, I you know because it's, it's interesting because. When you look at like this, let's just, let's take our best player, Nick. When you look at his pass rush win rate, it's still right up there in the top ten, yeah. but it is way off his career number. So again, kind of like we talked about earlier about disappointment in comparison to our expectation, he has been disappointing not as a player just in general, but he's been a disappointment in comparison to his own standard that he has set. That is what I'm comparing him to is what I've seen him do before. And he's been a game wrecker and he just hasn't been that. And it, like you say, it would be interesting. I doubt he would speak on it, but it would be interesting to be able to talk to him, you know, privately and ask the coaches what they think the reason is. is you know, I I have a hard time believing that it's the money, which is the thing, first thing that most fans go to. It is, I, I don't, I, but I don't know what it is. I mean, is he not healthy? Yeah, would you? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, oh yeah, you know, in March there's like some arthroscopic cleanup that that he's got to get mm-hmm. through because of the wear and tear on a knee or whatever. I mean, he's already had that surgically repaired knee, but there is, he, he had, he's had some, you know, major injuries. Like you say, he had to have the, the knee done. He remember he went through that bout of, you know, with the groin thing. Um, so it would not be to, was, would not surprise me that he's playing through something, which would explain a lot. And because, I love Nick and, and, you know, we have done this show enough to where he was 
at Warner status. Well, he was a defense player of the year last yeah. year. He was at Warner status where every week you could easily make Nick the the MVP of the game. Yeah. But he just has not been his normal dominant self this season. Speaking of the MVP of the game, this one's hard. It is. Because like you said in the beginning, I think some people can make it Brock, but you also have to discredit him for some of the poor play in the first half. I'm going to go with Debo because I think he Debo just is a game man. changer. He's yeah, he's he the game really changer of uh, the 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 way that they're able to give him the ball in different ways. It always seems like the defense is on their heels when he gets it. There was a play where I was sure that he was losing yardage and he gets through that first tackle and all of a sudden it's like 12 yards down the field. Exactly. There was yes. another play where he should have got tackled for about a four yard loss. And he ends up with like three. Yeah. Or- and it's yeah. He gets like a two yard gain or mm-hmm. something. So I think he just changes the, uh, you always like to use the, the Steph Curry uh, thought about the gravity and CMC's gravity. Mm-hmm. Debo very similarly changes the gravity of um of of the field and and because he attracts people but he they're also putting him in so many different spots that it's not in a predictable way it's not like he's just going downfield and he's going to do you know he's going to run a specific route and the timing of the route with the quarterback and the wide receiver like BA and 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 uh Brock is the reason why they can make that play like Debo's not that player Debo's moving all around the field he's getting mm-hmm. it on a sweep, he's getting it on uh, a screen, then he's getting it over the middle, and he's running through guys. And so it's just different ways that the defense has to pay attention to him, similar to CMC. And, you know, the person who probably would have gotten more love, but because Debo was all over the field, is Kittle, I think he only had one catch, or maybe two. One of them was for, like, a loss of a yard. Mm -hmm. But that's a guy who's similar in that way. But when you have Debo and CMC doing so much stuff, then yeah, Kittle's probably like the fifth or the you know the, the fifth read on some of these plays, and he's just not getting. But his it. willingness to, to you know to settle for do, doing the dirty work, I mean it, it it's invaluable. I mean there you know at times when our offensive line was stinking, there were times when there was one play that I remember particularly where it was. It was a uh, it was it was a big play in the run game, and our offensive lineman had nothing to do with it. It was Warner, um, Warner, not Warner, Warner, Kittle, and Juice that made the key blocks to make the thing go. And on that one, George got a twofer. So I mean, it, you know, it's that kind of thing that he brings to this team, and you know, it, it's something that it's cliche to say. Well, he likes to block as much as he does to make a catch, which <clears throat> maybe that's true. But because he does really, 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 really seem to get off on making a great block. Um, but that is a mindset. I mean, not everybody, you know, somebody of his caliber only getting two targets. It would not it's not a shock if that's a problem, because, I mean, Greatest player of all time. I watched every game Jerry Rice played here. You didn't get the ball to Jerry early. It was a problem. He would yeah. pout. He would he would start <laughs> to pout, and you had to, you know 
and, and rightfully so. You should <laughs> feed Jerry Rice. You shouldn't. You shouldn't go three series without Jerry touching the ball. But it could easily be a problem like that with Kittle because he is one of the best, you know, playmakers in the league. But it does. It's not a problem because of the way he carries it. He, you know, which is. You know, if we end up winning a championship, I think that's a big part of it. The yeah, fact it's un- that George it's unselfishness is that he doesn't have a it. problem being number four, you know, on the pecking order, which is, as I've said many times on this pod, is absurd to think about that George Kittle, that you know, that there that there we have a team where that where there are three other players who get a higher priority on touches than George Kittle. That that's nuts. There's no place else in the league where that would be the case, but um, here we are. And we're, you know, one step away from, you know, winning a championship with that being the circumstance. So who is your guy? Um, I like Debo, but I, I want to give a shout out to, um, the Draymond of our team, Dre Greenlaw, <laughs> because is you know Fred. I think Fred Warner should be defensive player of the year, and he's clearly the best defensive player on our team. But I, there's something about the energy that Dre Greenlaw brings to this unit that um is a game changer for me. The big hits, his just enthusiasm. He really, and we all know he's out there playing banged up. He's not. He's not 100%, but, you know, they, I, I, I heard a quote in the pregame when um, they were talking about Steve Wilkes talks about how Dre Greenlaw sets the tone and that, you know, when he tries to tackle you, he like runs through everybody. And um, it just, he really is a tone setter on our defense and every week is something. And um, I'm just, you know, I, I was glad he was down. I don't even know what happened. I because like I said, I didn't hear to have the sound, but I know he was down. Kind of looked like you know my, you know, it, to my eyes, kind of looked like a stinger or something. But um, he um he came back and it he was just really really. I thought he was a key to us, you know, turning it around and just he's just he's throwing just his helmet. I was waiting for somebody to throw their damn helmet, man. <laughs> exactly. I wish I had a helmet that I could have <laughs> thrown. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Me too. Uh, all right. Um, one thing that we're doing this week on the channel, we have three shows this week. This is the first, is I had an idea um, because I'm wa- I'm re-watching this. Uh, actually, watching it for the first time, it's just taking me forever, the Joe Montana Peacock documentary. Mm-hmm. And because we're in the playoffs, and I just want to remember a lot of the 49ers stuff, I also uh, bought the book, uh, a rivalries book about Joe and Steve going through that whole thing all over again. And again, this is why I'm thinking about Joe and Steve. And I'm going to ta- check that out because I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, it's, wanna... it's, it's, pre- it's pretty good. It's it's uh, good reporting. He's not rewriting you know, things and there's no like brand new information. He's just doing a good job of knowing what the stories were because the, the reporting was excellent back then. That's mm-hmm. like the biggest story in, in the Bay Area. Uh, and, you know, there was some stuff in there that I didn't know, though. Like uh, I didn't know that Bill Walsh and his wife uh, at some point in the mid 80s uh, had kind of taken a break 
and Bill was dating like a playmate from the seventies. Like <laughs> this is in this book and it was in Bill's biography. I forget the writer who wrote Bill's biography, but I was like, man, I never heard that. I don't remember that. It was, it was crazy. I'm like looking her up on Google, Google of photos, uh, you know, having to keep the, the, the safety search on. I'm like, I don't want my <laughs> browser to be all those Playboy photos. Bill Walsh pulling up, you know, naked photos on my phone. But uh, so like there's stuff like that. But um, but yeah, so I, I'm just I'm back in this time frame of the 80s and 90s 49ers. And so I thought this would be a good kind of topic. And for the people who are listening and watching, if you could relive one season through the eyes of a, a particular player, who would that be? And the 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 caveat is you gotta you, you gotta deal with these wins and losses all over again, right? We know how heartbreaking 2012 was when we can't hit that fade to Crabtree. We know how heartbreaking 2019 is when Kansas City just you know runs away with it and we missed the long bomb that could have put the game away. So if you pick a season you know, you have to also take how that season turned out. And so I, I, I didn't give you much heads up. I only gave you like probably like 20 minutes of heads up that, that I wanted to do this. So I can actually go first and, and give you a few a few more uh, minutes to think about it. And also mm -hmm. folks in the chat, let me know. But what I am going with is I thought about 84 Joe Montana. The problem with 84 Joe Montana and that, you know, arguably the Niners best team. I don't get to watch Jerry if it's ninety if it's eighty four Joe Montana because Jerry doesn't get drafted until the next year. So you, I was looking at okay, what are some of Jerry's best years? And you know, eighty seven was like the strike season, but then they get upset in the divisional playoffs against the Vikings and uh, and I think Anthony Carter, the wide receiver, and Wade Wilson, the the Vikings mm -hmm. quarter. I don't want to live through that again. That season was so bad that my next door neighbor who is a Dallas Cowboy fan and whose family I love dearly uh they're they're great people he really made my dad angry cuz in in uh, in silver spray paint he wrote in the middle of the street sorry 49ers mm. so mean to us because he was a Dallas fan and Dallas was not doing very good until uh until a few years later so but like that that season it just no matter how good we were 13 and two in the regular season, Montana and rice were having like crazy seasons, but then they lost and I don't want to go through that again. So I decided it was the, uh, the George Seifert. So I lose bill, but it's the first George Seifert year where the Niners boat race, the Broncos 55 to 10. I can pick Montana or I can pick rice. I'm picking Joe, even though Jerry is my favorite player. Because in my mind, that season was about redemption and kind of closing the door a little bit on Joe Montana um, as as a as a 49er. Uh, he doesn't play very much in uh, 91 uh, and he's gone in uh, 92. So uh, so, yeah, it's a nice little bookend to close the door on Joe. So you get to see Joe have a great season. He's. It's Jerry. Roger is still playing, you know, Ronnie Lott, Chet Brooks. So you get to relive that season. They go 14 to Joe's the MVP. Jerry is the MVP of the Super Bowl. 
and you are good to go. So that is the season that I choose to relive. If I was to be able to relive that whole season of games, that is the one that I want for the 49ers. I would go with 89. Um, it was a, that was a, a, I, you know, we talk about how, you know, that's so I guess the 88 season, um, not, you know, a little bit of a struggle midway through yeah. that season too. And it's six. I mean, it was, it really was a struggle. Um, that I, I, I just, that Super Bowl is just iconic to me. It, you you, know, you get you get that game, which was at that point probably even though the game three quarters of that game was kind of boring, but the the best Super Bowl up to that point. Joe Montana at the peak of his powers, like you say, it wasn't like a necessarily great game, but you know, just the drive is is where it's at. The it you know, and it's just it's a it's a quirky game because. You know, Joe does what he does, but then, and then John Taylor makes the big catch. But Jerry is the MVP. It, it, it was just, it was just like a super weird game. And then, what always remember randomly is the riots afterwards in Miami. It, it was just, it was just such a bizarre time. And it was, you know, it was like the end of ronnie and it was his that was his like kind of swan song and then that it got just got really weird for me as a fan um when you know we kind of we treat what i felt and you know now that with player empowerment and everything you know i i felt even at the time that we treated ronnie lott very very disrespectfully the, 40, you know, the 49ers at, i think it was after that super bowl season the following year they put ronnie and roger craig on what was called plan b free agency yep i don't exactly remember the particulars of plan b but what i remember is is like you could expose them and then another team could sign them because they right. both went to the Raiders. Yep. And that was the thing, you know, because famously in his books and in all the, you know, reporting is it was Bill Walsh's famous words that, you know, he'd rather lose a player a year too early than a year too late. And then subsequently, that was what the case was. Ronnie Lott went to the Raiders and was an all pro. Uh, I mean, it was, yeah, it was an all pro still. And um, I just, even then I felt that um, you, you, you pay those dudes, you, you, you know, he had done, he right up there with Joe and Jerry Ronnie on the defensive line. He was the guy that set the tone for those dynasties and for the thought of him being anywhere else was ridiculous. And then for it to be the Raiders was like insult to injury yeah. for young Rod, but that would be the team because, you know, I, you know, again, it's would you, always... would you relive that season through Ronnie? Is that the guy you're focusing on? Is it Joe? Is it Jerry? Yeah, it's, Probably for me, it would probably be through the eyes of Jerry because I feel like that was like Jerry in like 
at the peak of his powers. I mean, he was just, he, you know, he is for me the greatest football player to ever put on cleats. Yes, me too. And that, you know, when I think of Jerry Rice, it's the plays that he made in that season, like the minor miracle and um, with the Giants. Yeah. That was one that, that, that was, um, that means so much to me because, you know, it was, I was thinking about this this week is like, I was talking to somebody about, and I didn't miss any, I, I watched all of Alex Smith's games as a Niner because by that point I was grown, but I missed so many games because my mom would make me go to church. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I couldn't. And I remember listening to that game in the car at a Denny's after church. I asked to be excused so I could go out and watch And My mother, I remember her saying as I left the table, uh, they're going to lose anyway. I don't know why you're tripping. <laughs> and I was like, see, it's kind of fucking fan. You are a lady. <laughs> um, and it, he he makes that play. And then, I, so my first memories of that play were the two dudes, if you guys don't know, um, he like runs a play and the two Giants wide um, defensive backs like rub each other off yeah. and Jerry score. So I first heard that play before I actually saw the play. Yeah. And I went fucking crazy in the car. You know, we won this game. So Jerry has always been my guy, but that season was like really special to me. So yeah, I'd want to relive it through Jerry's eyes. Like you say, it wasn't all pretty. It wasn't, it wasn't like a 14 and two season. Yeah. It was, we know we took some tough losses, but, um, you know, that it's kind of, those are like the good ones. Kind of like what, what the, you know, if we end up going and we're fortunate enough to win this championship, it hasn't been all peaches and creams. And I yeah. think that will make it that much sweeter if we're able to pull it off. You know, though, the, the thing about this is usually the Super Bowl is about the quarterbacks. It's about like, mm-hmm. and on one side, you got like the, QB one of all QB ones in the mm-hmm. NFL this year. And then you got Brock, the underdog. And so that's going to be the story for these next two weeks. But I it, think it's going to be, I think I know where you're going. Go ahead. Well, I, but I, I'm just saying like, if you knew nothing about football and you're like, Oh, Pat Mahomes. Yeah. I've heard of him. Brock Purdy, like people kind of dismiss him. Like, of course the chiefs are going to win. I think the 49ers are actually a one and a half point favorite right now, mm-hmm. though. Um, that could get to pick them, I think. I think I think people are gonna put the money on Mahomes just because he's done it and he's been there. It, it'd be like putting the money on Brady, right? You're like, mm-hmm. oh, Brady, Brady usually finds a way to do it. That's what that's what Mahomes is right mm-hmm. now. He usually finds a way to do it. So but I think I but I thought I knew where you were going, but I think it, this is going to come down to the defenses. The defenses are going to win this game. Um, whoever is able to get it figured out defensively, I think fastest and best will do it. If can we figure out a way to we're going to have to shore up our run defense because if we play run defense like we did today. Um, Isaiah Pacheco is going to run all up and down the field on us. Um, and also we need to, we've got to be able to put pressure 
on Mahomes. And conversely, are they going to be able to confuse, let's put it, let's be real blunt, are they going to be able to confuse Kyle the way that they were able to confuse Todd Munkin um, today and, you know, have him questioning in his play calls? I have never seen that with anybody, anybody able <laughs> be able to um, have um, Kyle questioning his judgment and his play calls. So it's going to be, I, I think this is going to be fascinating. And I think you're right. I think Pickham is a, is right. I think that, I think that's where the number should land. I, you know, I, I don't really see how you can make a solid case for either of these teams. I think that the last two, these last two games, if you were hot on the Niners coming into the playoffs, you're probably a little cooler on them. Mm-hmm. And conversely the chiefs have their worst regular season in quite a long time. And yet and the they man, something. The, the two guys, the, the, the Reed and, and Mahomes, you know, partnership that you just kind of bet on them. So we're going to have our work cut out for us. But uh, before we get out of here, I did want to ask you, cause you're talking about Jerry. What do you think about Jerry? Jerry, I think he allows himself to become this, but he's kind of like the flavor flavor of the 49ers right now. He's got the big chain. He's the biggest fan. He's out there taking pictures. I actually like that about him because, you know, you, you look at other, um, other historic players in, in franchises like Barry Bonds is Barry Bonds. I'm sure is, is a little bit more outgoing now than he was, uh, Joe Montana, he will be at the at the stadium, but Jerry's not only there. Jerry is with the people. Jerry's mm-hmm. out there with the crowd. He's he's like hugging people and taking pictures and showing off the chain. And he's running routes and like he is wearing that 49ers on his chest in, in these games. But in some in some things, I would kind of wonder, like, you're almost too regal to be with the people exactly. like that. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Is that um, it? I don't want to. I don't want it to sound judgy, but it's like he that like that's kind of beneath him. Yeah. Because he the stat, and I guess that has more to do with the status that I hold him at. Because, like I said, I think. No disrespect to Jim Brown and Lawrence Taylor or Joe Montana or anybody, any of those Mount Rushmore, yeah. Tom Brady, Mount Rushmore level guys. But I think Jerry Rice is better than all of them. None of them were as dominant as he was. Yeah. Or such a long, because I mean, and Jerry had, I've got to tell you, but it was like he had two careers. He had that career where he was the best football player we've ever seen. And then he had the career where he played at a high level for longer than anybody we've ever seen. Jerry Rice in Seattle was still, he wasn't nowhere near peak Jerry Rice, but he was still freaking good. He he would be our slot receiver on this team. Yeah. <laughs> Legitimately at 40. <laughs> he he was he was really good toward he Jerry Rice never got sorry. Yeah. You know, it's kind of kind of he's kind of like LeBron now. 
it you know it it's different um and like lebron is not what he was at peak lebron but he's freaking as old as he is and he's still still top 12 in the league you know he's still a, a legitimately one of the best players in the league um and that was what jerry was so i just i hold him as such you know i i think he should be on it literally on yeah. a literal pedestal yeah somewhere. yeah, yeah. Um, but like you say it is kind of cool too that you can you know as a fan you can really just like literally reach out and touch jerry and yeah. he's doing things with his um goat fuel with, with and... his goat fuel and you can go you can he's at a costco near you <laughs> Where you can just kind of go <laughs> shake the goat's hand, literally. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. yeah so so that's kind of cool. Yeah. But um, yeah. All right. So for the rest of this week, Thompson and Clark Monday, we're gonna do our relive a, a season there too, because not a lot of stuff is happening in Giants baseball land uh, right now. Um, and then we, uh, I, I'm still trying to figure it out as far as the death lineup tonight. I got to watch that Warriors Lakers game. That was nuts. That unfortunately the Warriors lost that went to double OT, but I got to watch that tonight. Cause I wasn't able to watch it last night. Uh, and so I'm hoping that Ben Cruz will join me on the death lineup. My uh, oldest uh, Brian, he is at, he's in London right now. He was sending me pictures from the, uh, the Ted Lasso bar from uh, that, the, the pub that they always go to in Ted Lasso. He, the, he was, just doing a little bit of sightseeing and i think there was uh the foot the the ravens game uh the ravens and the chiefs game was going on while he was there so he's hanging out in london he's gonna be gone for a couple weeks so hopefully i can get ben cruz to join me on the death lineup but we'll i can't we will wait do... for the death lineup because i've got questions about, <laughs> i want to hear what a rational what rational people have to think have to say about this team because i'm kind of depressed right now that's why i want to watch this lakers game because i watched the kings game they were within they were within distance to where i didn't give up in that kings game for the whole time but the end of that game made me sad and i figured we're gonna lose that laker game because they were running out of steam there are some things that i like about that team but ultimately ultimately they cannot get stops and i am not sure what happened that's where i was it was like look at the at the beginning of that kings game it's like they're gonna score 200 points yes <laughs> they can't stop anybody but then you know they figured it out and that those there's a few of those last sequences were kind of disappointing but you know, you know what? You know what, though? They should lose a game where Harry B gives you 37. <laughs> if Harry B gives you 37, you kind of deserve to lose that game. How the hell did Harrison Barnes have two 30-point games back-to-back? I mean, that's yeah. that's crazy. But, yeah, so I'm looking forward to the – I'll be looking forward to that alert on the death line. All right, all right yeah. We, we're, you know, Ben and I are um, – I think we're probably a little closer to our wits end with this team than we've been for a very long time. They got to make a move. That's just the bottom line that they got to make a move and they haven't done it yet. So but when they not, make a move, you, but they're you, not moving any of the big three. Are they? I, I just don't, I, I don't, can't. I don't think so. And I, I don't think they could really move clay 
even if they wanted to, which it's is a tough, it's a, it, it's, it's kind of sad to watch my man clay. Cause yeah. I'm not, I'm not here for no clay slander, but it's not good. Right. <laughs> it's not very, yeah. No, it's unfortunate. It's kind of, it, it's, it's a little sad. He is at like this weird point of his career and it's injury based, right? Like he, mm-hmm. unfortunately, like maybe he gets to where he is now eventually with old age, but you tear your knee and your Achilles tendon within 10 months of each other. Yeah, It's tough sledding. All right. And I so, mean, he can still shoot, but yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we can we'll, absolutely still shoot. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back. And then, so you and I, we probably got to do a show next weekend. We'll sort of make that TBA. We do a little bit of preview, Super Bowl preview, uh, and maybe even do one a little closer to Sunday as well to kind of get all the, uh, all the latest news and all the latest nuggets and some props that you may be interested in and stuff yeah, like I'm that. I'm going to be there Super Bowl week, so yeah, definitely. So we'll, we'll, we'll probably do, do two more shows before the big game, the recap Super Bowl evening, where we uh, finish off this season. So uh, lots of stuff coming on. Thank you to everybody for staying with us. To those of you listening on the podcast feed, appreciate it. Uh, and so for Rod, I am Double G. The Niners are going to the Super Bowl, baby. Peace out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.